Well, welcome back to the Legends of the Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is... Just Ariel. Oh. Well, first off, Ariel, happy holidays to everyone. I wish you were more amped about this. <laughs> I was going to say something snarky, but I'll be nice for the holidays. What's your... I was going to say, where's your holiday spirit? Uh, so... A lot of people have been asking, emailing, where'd you guys go? Is it over? It's not over. Um, like I said, this year's been chaos and the holidays are no different. <laughs> we have uh, five children at home and uh, yeah, holidays are crazy here. <laughs> and so, it's the sick season. So yeah. I've been nonstop sick. No, of course. Yeah. But, and I will be until probably July. You're recording this right now and you're sick. Yeah. So you're a trooper. I appreciate True you. Story. <laughs> but we're back. And uh, today we're going to discuss uh, Majora's Mask characters. It's been a minute since we did Majora's Mask. You feeling good about this? What's Majora's Mask? Ooh, it's a wonderful, wonderful game where we put on masks and make creepy faces and help people solve their life dilemmas and get more creepy masks and make more creepy faces with creepy powers. I thought we were on Wind Waker. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but anyway, we're here. We're talking about Majora's Mask characters. And Ariel, you have some pretty interesting ones for us. You want to go first? I feel like they're all interesting. They are really. This is the soap opera of Legend of Zelda. <laughs> so it really is. So do you want to play a guessing game? Oh boy! Did you name the characters too? Oh yeah. Oh no! <laughs> Why are you surprised about this? Sheesh! All right, all right, let's go, let's go. All right, older Malin. Is that? Oh god, I can't remember her name. She's the branch owner. Mm, I'm gonna. I, I don't remember her name. I'm gonna hit myself Crimea. afterwards. Crimea. Ah, yes, Crimea. I, at least I knew who it was. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, she is the older sister of Romani and manages Romani Ranch after her father's passing. She's a close friend of Anju with a massive crush on Anju's fiance, Cafe. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> what? As the Termina turns. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm done with you. So she treats Romani like a child, much to Romani's disdain. And after her father's passing, everything goes wrong at the ranch, likely due to the Gorman brothers. She's known to be kind-hearted and a caring sister and is always working to provide for her and her sister. But despite all of this, she doesn't believe Romani about the ghosts. Because, you know, cows just disappear on their own. I have thoughts about the ghosts, finger quotes here. Aliens? <laughs> Aliens. So if you help Romani save the cows from the ghosts... Crimea will invite you to join her on the ride to deliver milk to the milk bar. And you'll go down from the Gorman track and you have to prevent the Gorman brothers from stealing the milk. Crimea will reward you with Romani's mask. 
hey, thanks for, you know, saving the milk. Here's a mask. It's an incredibly useful mask, though. Well, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I gotta be me. I'm sure everybody missed me. So, Crimea understands that even though some of the citizens of Clocktown take refuge at Romani Ranch on the night of the final day, even they aren't safe from the moon and accepts the fate of them all. She lets an unsuspecting Romani drink Chateau Romani for the first time and acknowledges her as an adult. Yes, because we give children alcohol. She promises her that she'll make her a mask to signify Romani as a grown-up. Before heading back to their home, she asked Romani to sleep with her in her bed, to which Romani agrees. And during the ending sequence, Crimea cheers on Romani, who's practicing her hero's bow. She also attends Anju and Cafe's wedding. And that's during the successful ending. Yeah. Oh, that one. That the... If you haven't seen The Moon Falls and Ends Everything Ending, you should, because it's terribly sad. Yeah, everybody dies. Everybody dies. But there's so much more to it than that. The end. Oh. So, uh, we'll get to what the mask actually does and what its purpose is later. Let me get to the masks. Let me get to the masks. But before I go on to the next one, I have some little fun facts. Let's go. So... There's a typo in the N64 version of Majora's Mask when Crimea gives Link a hug. And the line is, you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. The typo is there's an exclamation point after fuzzy and an exclamation point after inside. You feel all warm. And fuzzy. Inside. Inside. (laughs) Oh, goodness. In the Majora's Mask demo, when Link shows Cafe's mask to Crimea, she mentions Madame Aroma is her aunt, which would make her cousins with her crush Cafe. The final version has Crimea refer to some middle-aged woman instead, though this could only possibly be Madame Aroma. Oh, it is like a... It's a thing in Japan. Yeah. Where it's like, okay for that. Eh. It's in a lot of anime. (laughs) A lot of anime. So I understand why they did that, but then it's like, okay, that's not really cool elsewhere. So let's just change it to some middle-aged woman. So... Though the Triforce is not worshipped in Termina, Crimea has a Triforce-shaped belt buckle. There's your Triforce. (laughs) (laughs) A little knot there. (laughs) And the last thing I have is Romani and Crimea were supposed to be in the Majora's Mask manga by Akira Himekawa, but were cut as they couldn't fit them in the story. This omission is acknowledged in a side note at the end of the manga. It is. I know. I read it. You bought it for me. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so that is all for Older Malin. Oh, who you got next? Can I take a guess? Is it going to be Younger Malin? Uh, no. Oh. It's Younger Malin. Oh. Can you guess who it is? 
Is it Malin? No. <laughs> it's Romani. So, Romani's a young girl who helps her sister Carmia take care of Romani Ranch. She keeps herself busy making sure the ranch and the cows are kept safe from the ghosts. Even though Carmia doesn't believe her about them. Romani looks for help elsewhere and recruits Link to help defend the cows. She teaches him a Pona's song to help him prep for the attack. She's proficient with a bow and guards the cows during the attack. But that's it. She doesn't help you. So, once the cows are saved, she thanks Link with a bottle of Romani milk and calls him Little Hero. She doesn't tell Crimea about the attack, so she doesn't worry about it. And the next day, she asks Link for help next year, but then asks him if he wants to live at the ranch instead and offers him her bed and says Crimea will be happy too. No. I'll see you next year. Hey, do you want to live with me? <laughs> We're moving way too fast. In Link speak, that's, huh? <laughs> Romani has a fun, loving, and active personality. She jogs outside with her pet dog. She speaks her mind and refers to herself in the third person. She wishes to attend the Carnival of Time, though Crimea never allows her to. Not because she talks to herself in the third person. She doesn't know the fate of Termina and is excited yet confused when Crimea lets her drink Chateau Romani and receives a mask from her since she acknowledges Romani as an adult. Really, it's we're all about to die, so <laughs> have this last little bit here. Romani is last seen showing off her bow skills as Crimea cheers her on. That's in the happy, you know. The world doesn't end ending. So if you beat the game, we just get to see her practicing bow skills. If you don't beat the game, she dies drinking vodka milk and <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Who? Oh. Uh, so a little bit of fun facts here. When Romani first met Link, she gives him the nickname Grasshopper because he wears green and patters when he runs. This is the same name Agatha gives Link in Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. Romani tells Link that Crimea has a crush on Cafe. Due to this, several characters believe that the reason for Cafe's disappearance is that he ran off with Crimea despite his approaching wedding. Oh no. <gasps> Soap opera. <laughs> so, before doing the milk delivery quest on the second night, if Link talks to Romani inside the house first, she offers Link to stay and live with them, lending him her bed. She will only do this if Link agreed to be her assistant on the first day. Oh, now that I did not know. Now you do. Oh. And then the last little thing I have. If Link fails to help Romani fend off the ghosts after getting a Pona, she will even in her disoriented state allow him to improve on his horseback archery if he so desires. However, she only refers to it as practice and even questions herself as to what he's practicing for. Oh, snap. Aliens done did debug her. <laughs> <laughs> Little brat. 
<laughs> She's a sweetheart. Yeah, okay. She protected the moo cows. From aliens. <laughs> I mean, ghosts. Oh, goodness. So what do we got next? Another character. Oh. Wishes he was Karama. Ooh, I don't know. Do you know who Karama is? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, sure you do. It's Keaton. Oh, Keaton. <laughs> so, Keatons are three-tailed fox-like creatures whose characteristics are derived from the mythological Japanese fox creatures, Kitsune, which are nine-tailed fox. Karama! Mm-hmm. From Naruto. They have yellow fur and their three tails bear black fur on the tips. Keatons can recognize one another by the sheen of their tails, indicating subtle differences between each member. Mm-hmm. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> so, a single Keaton appears in several locations in Majora's Mask, hiding within moving grass and playing tricks on people. To draw out the Keaton, Link must cut at least one clump of moving grass wearing the Keaton mask. The Keaton will appear and offer the Keaton's quiz game, asking five questions about people and locations in Majora's Mask. The Keaton appears in all locations in Termina that contains moving grass, such as North Clock Town, Mountain Village, or along Milk Road, excluding those in the beginning portal. Hmm. So, a couple little fun facts here about the Keaton. It's possible that the Japanese name Kitan is a combo of the first letter in Kitsune, Ki, and Tan, a childish suffix often used for mascot characters. As would fit with the Keaton mask. True. Okay. I like that. I can see that. And that is probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> There's a total of 30 questions that could possibly be asked by Keaton with three possible answers. If you answer the five questions correctly, you get a piece of heart. If you fail, he disappears. And in order to try again, you have to start a new three-day cycle. You only get one try. Yeah, I know. It sucks. Get it right. <laughs> I may or may not have had to reset the three-day cycle multiple times my first playthrough. <laughs> I almost thought about listing all 30 questions for a just-so-you-know thing, but I was uh, that killed too much time. And Aaron would kill me, listeners. So <laughs> I have another character. Are you ready? Let's go. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> Choreographer of the Boo Street Boys and Intrigue. <laughs> it's Dancing Mask Guy. I cannot remember his name. It begins with a K, though. It's Camaro. Camaro. That's right. 
<laughs> Boo Street Boys. Boo Street Boys and Intrigue. Oh my gosh. Yes, I came up with that on my own. <laughs> and it still makes me laugh. He's a ghost who died in Termina Field. In life, he was a dancer, but now is filled with regret because he wasn't able to pass on his dance moves to the world while he was alive. He wanted to bring the world together with his choreography, but he inexplicably died and lingers the world, longing to teach his routine to someone. He can be found between midnight and 6 a.m. in the giant mushroom-shaped stones near the entrance to Stonehead. To Snowhead. When Link eases his soul by playing the Song of Healing, his dancing ability becomes encased in the Camaro's mask, graining it to Link and trusting him to make his routine into a popular dance craze. With this, Camaro's dance can be taught to the Rosa sisters in West Clocktown to gain a piece of heart. I just want to say, when I first did my very first playthrough of Majora's Mask, this was the very first mask that I acquired aside from the Deku mask. Did you cut loose? I did. Foot loose? Get out. <laughs> It was where the this this quest set the pace for me in this game because I was creeped out yet thoroughly entertained by this dance. <laughs> oh boy. So I got one tiny little interesting fact about Camaro. A modified version of his theme can be heard in West Clocktown at night, even if Link has not taught the Rosa Sisters his dance. Mm hmm. <sighs> Playthrough number three is what I figured it out. <laughs> it's so great. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still stuck on the Footloose song. No. You want another fun little fact? Let's go. That's where I got my name from. Footloose. <laughs> Not the Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah. Fun little fact about me, I did guess. You, did, did you know about Ariel? Yes. You ready for this one? Let's go. Female narc sibling. Tattle. You're right. I know. Tattle. So, Tattle is Link's fairy companion in Majora's Mask. Similar to Navi from Ocarina of Time, Tattle assists Link by allowing him to interact with the environment through targeting certain objects, people, and enemies. Tattle expresses herself with bell-like noises of varying repetition. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. <laughs> Prior to the events of Majora's Mask, Tattle and Tail were flying around Termina Field, looking for shelter on a stormy day. Suddenly, they find a lonely skull kid under a log, shivering. Tattle and Tail soon became friends with him, and when Skull Kid began showing his mischievous side, the two fairies decided to follow suit. 
At the beginning of Majora's Mask, they accompany the Skull Kid to the Lost Woods, where the fairies startle Link's horse, causing Link to fall off and become unconscious. Skull Kid then steals his ocarina. When Link wakes up, Tattle escapes with Tail and Skull Kid as they ride away on Epona. After Link is transformed into a Deku scrub, Tattle gets in his way to stop him from going after Skull Kid, causing her to get separated from Tail and Skull Kid. At first, she blames Link for the turn of events, but then she decides to partner up with Link to reunite with Tail and prevent Skull Kid from destroying Termina. Oh, she does have a heart. Wow. <laughs> Eventually, Link and Tattle find the Skull Kid atop the clock tower, where Tail gives them a clue about how to stop the moon. The Skull Kid, however, smacks Tail for speaking out of line, which infuriates Tattle. When Link gets the Ocarina of Time from Skull Kid, Tattle scolds Link for losing himself in memories before playing Song of Time to take him and Tattle back to the first day. From then on, Tattle accompanies Link and his confrontations with Skull Kid and plays a part in preventing Termina from its impending apocalypse. Can I just say I was super annoyed that she was yelling at me when I took a second to be like, what should I play? (laughs) Stop being lost in your thoughts, Link, and play a song. I'm trying. Patience. Mm -hmm. Patience, Grasshopper. Ah, I see what you did there. (laughs) So... To continue on here, once the two of them manage to free the four giants, Link and Tattle go up against the Skull Kid one last time, successfully halting the moon from its path of destruction by calling the deities. Tail tries to explain to Tattle that the power of Majora's Mask was too great for the Skull Kid to handle, though Tattle isn't convinced. Tattle says he has a weak will and no strength of heart, on top of being a fool. Tattle said, I ain't got time for this. Yeah, the funny thing is, I'm Tattle in your tail. I definitely am Tattle. So, Tattle then refuses to go to the moon with Link. She wants to stay with Tail. But Tail says he will go with Link, prompting Tattle to go in his stead. Together, they defeat Majora's Mask, freeing the school kid from the mask's power. Tattle is last seen during the ending sequence. She's witnessing Link's departure from Termina with her brother and the Skull Kid. She thanks Link for helping her, and Tail comforts her as she's overwhelmed. Tattle frequently expresses her opinions and takes an active role in several cutscenes. She's also more informal to Link, often speaking to him more straightforward. At the beginning of the game, Tattle is more aggressive, blunt, and hostile to Link because she blames him for her getting separated from Tail. As the game goes on, however, she begins to calm down and tolerate Link's company. (laughs) I just tolerate you. All right. (laughs) She apologizes for what happened to his horse and admits she admires him for his acts of bravery. Tattle provides less info than Navi, though the info 
she does provide is more direct and informal. When questioned about an enemy from Ocarina of Time, she reacts with surprise, then criticizes Link for his ignorance. Though this trait was removed in Majora's Mask 3D. I know, I was super upset about that. <laughs> I liked I liked our quirky, chippy, chipper fairy pal and her constant snarky remarks. Yeah, I'm Tattle. <laughs> So, some fun little facts here. If Link decides to stop the moon's descent again after the first time, Tattle stops Tail in the middle of a speech about the mask, saying she already knows. I did know this. Yeah, <laughs> it was I awesome. I like Tattle. <laughs> like, shut up. We heard it before. Come on, get to the part where you play the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> Tattle and Tail seem to be well known around Clocktown at least with the bombers. After Link receives the bombers notebook from Jim, he directly addresses Tattle, telling her to inform the school kid that he is no longer a member of the bombers. Also, if Link addresses a bomber as a Goron or a Zora, he asks, why is Tattle with you? <laughs> so, okay. Clearly, you all know this. Everyone knows this, but I'm going to cover it anyways, because I can. So, along with her brother, Tail, her name stems from Tattletail, pertaining to her nature as an informant, particularly of the enemies encountered in the game. So if you didn't know, you do now. Tattletail. <laughs> or Narc Narc. But did you know in French her name is Taya? No, I did not. It is. Taya. Huh. No title. Taya. Hmm. Are you going to tell us what Tail's name is in French later? Yeah, it's Tail. <laughs> so, guess who I have next, okay? male narc sibling uh is it navi yeah how'd you guess i read your notes ah <laughs> cheater <laughs> no it's tail so tail is the younger brother of tattle he's a deep purple in color different from the bright colors of most fairies tail tells tattle and Link that the four giants are needed to stop the Skull Kid and Termina from its impending doom. Skull Kid hits Tail for speaking out of line, which angers Tattle. We already know this. But I thought I'd cover it again, because now it's from Tail's perspective of getting smacked in the face. So, Tail gets reunited with Tattle until Majora's mask detaches itself from the Skull Kid and travels to the inside of the moon. In an act of bravery, Tail says he will go with Link to the moon because he doesn't want to be always running away. So that's why he steps in and says, like, I'll go with you. He's got to put his brave on. Gotta get your brave on. Yeah. So, I mean... Tattle ends up stopping him, though, anyways, and goes in his stead. So, 
Tail has a more innocent and timid personality, which leads him to be unable to stand up to the school kid's abuse. Tail also is more understanding of the suffering the school kid's gone through and why he does such terrible things. Tail realizes that it was Majora's mask that made their friend act that way. Though I agree with Tattle, he's weak. <laughs> and I agree with Tail. Poor guy. He just had his heart broken. He's weak. Hmm. We really are Tattle Tail. Yep. <laughs> So a couple little fun facts, because I didn't go too much into tail because that's basically I would be repeating myself from what I said with Tattle, essentially. So fun little facts, tails contrasting color to the other fairies is possibly due to him being a male. True, because all most of the female fairies we see in the series are very brightly colored. Mm hmm. And the only other male fairy we see in the series is in Breath of the Wild, which is also dark purple or like a darker color. It's not just purple, but we'll yep. get to that. That's that's a I never even thought about that. Yep. But in early versions of the game, Tail was originally white with a purple glow around him. I'm glad they changed it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> So, Tail and Leaf from Phantom Hourglass are the only known male fairies in Legend of Zelda series until Breath of the Wild comes, where they introduce Melania, who Aaron says is a fairy, and I just, I don't know. It's a great fairy. Yeah, everybody else says he's a great fairy, but I think he's just a horse god. <laughs> this is my opinion, listeners. My opinion, not <laughs> truth. I mean, technically, he's referred to as the horse god. It's, it's a very convoluted thing. We'll get to it when we get to fairies and gray fairies. There's a difference. There's a difference between a horse god and a fairy too. I'm just saying <laughs> this is all my opinion. And my opinion is it's just tail and leaf. <laughs> and Melania. No. <laughs> I didn't add him. <laughs> so anyways, that's my fun little facts. Tail. So the last character I have for tonight, for me, because you're getting a whole nother list of characters from Aaron, is the main star of the young and the cuckoo. <laughs> young and the cuckoo. You know, the worst part is, since you mentioned the soap opera that is Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, I've been trying to think of a play on words for Young and Restless, and that one's perfect. The young and the cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as the world turns, as the Termina turns, like I, mm. my grandma watched a lot of soap operas. <laughs> a lot. I think everyone in our generation's grandmother watched a lot of soap operas. <laughs> that and the price is right. Ah, uh, yes. So, can you guess who that is? Uh... I'm assuming it's Kuko's, something to do with Kuko farming. So it's probably Anju. <gasps> no, you're right. It's Anju. <laughs> so Anju is the innkeeper at the Stockpot Inn. She's best friends with Crimea and engaged to Cafe. It's a whole other thing. It's weird. You're my best friend, but you're in love with my fiance. But we're still besties and okay so it's weird 
Girls are weird. Especially in Legend of Zelda. Yeah. (laughs) So they plan to have their wedding on the day of the Carnival of Time. However, certain circumstances have caused Anju to start doubting Cafe. Her mother and grandma live with her in the inn. And she is one of the characters in the game with an entry in the bomber's notebook. She's portrayed as apologizing quite often and appears nervous. She's not a good cook, and according to Cafe's diary, a huge procrastinator. She also tends to forget customers' faces, which causes her to deliver reservations to the wrong person. Not good for much of anything, Anju. Oh. <laughs> When Anju and Cafe were children, they promised to marry each other on the day of the Carnival of Time, exchanging the sun's and moon's mask during the event. Cafe disappeared with his mask one month before the wedding. Anju doesn't know what has become of him or why he disappeared. She's afraid to see him again and ask for the reason he left because she thinks she's the reason he did because, you know, she can't do much of anything. Anju's mother puts the idea in her head that Cafe ran off with Kermia, since Kermia needs strength from a partner and business support from Cafe's mother to run Romani Ranch. And Cafe running off with Kermia would allow her to have the stability she needs. Anju's mother's terrible. Yeah, because women are perfectly capable of running things on their own without a male support. Hashtag facts. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) I digress. Link meets with Anju in the kitchen at her request. She asked him to deliver a letter to the mailbox, hoping Link meets with her fiancé. Anju is afraid to do it on her own and tells Link to pass on a message that she's waiting for for him you know like we did in middle school keep in mind when this game came out okay I know I know I know I'm just saying I'm just just saying Cafe explains his situation to Link and gives Link his pendant to give to Anju she then believes Cafe again and decides to wait for his return despite her mother's wishes Anju waits in her room for Cafe on the final day, hours before the moon falls. They both finally reunite and exchange their masks and oaths. Link witnesses the event, and they grant him the couple's mask. They urge Link to take refuge as they will stay and greet the morning together. No, you won't, because you're going to die. I don't want you to take away from this incredibly sad moment because they're holding each other in this moment and they say that. Greet the morning together. That is incredibly sad. I'm not one for romance. I hate romance. So loves it. During the ending credits, Anju can be seen outside Clocktown having her wedding ceremony. Yay, happy ending. Mm -hmm. They get to spend forever together. Forever being the next five minutes until Link walks out of the forest. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Do you ever think about for the for a second that it doesn't matter if you save them or not? It's still a sad ending either way, because Terminus ceases to exist either way. No, 
Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Anyways, that is the characters I have for this episode. Believe me, I have like 500 more. Yeah, there's a lot to go through. A lot to go through. Yeah. I believe you have like a, what, a page and a half worth? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And you have a page worth. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is definitely going to be a two-parter episode. Or a three-parter. Um, probably. A lot of parter. Lots of parters. Right. Well, with that being said, I think it's time for a mid-break. Get. Yeah! Get. Well, Ariel, we find ourselves in a awful middly place. Ah! You know, you just... Just no? No. Just no. Well, uh, well, I know what you'll say yes to. Hmm. Thanking our patrons. I suppose. <laughs> so we have to start by thanking our patrons, of course. And we should always start with our golden goddess level patron, Gex! And that continues us to our Hyrule Royalty patron, James Becker, and our Sheikah patrons, Deadeye and Nikki Liftstuff, and our Kokiri patron, Remington Cloutier. I need to know what you lift. <laughs> you know what? I bet you can ask Nikki in the next patron episode. Yeah, I expect that to be a question. <laughs> I think I think we're looking at doing patron episode what next week? Recording? It's possible. It's possible. Ah, well, at any rate, thank you all. Uh, thank you all for being patrons. Thank you also for being so awesome. Uh, and thank you for sticking with us through all of this. And thank you to our listeners, our fantastic, lovely, wonderful listeners. Without them, we wouldn't have a show. What am I even here for? <laughs> <laughs> keep stealing what I say. Well, I just it's been a while and I haven't I haven't I haven't ragged on you, so You can't rag on me by <laughs> stealing my lines. That's not how that works. No, that just makes you look like a jerk. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're not. I am. Well, at any rate, Ariel, what does that bring us to next? I don't know. You're the one that says everything. <laughs> Reviews, Ariel, reviews. <laughs> uh, well, our first review comes to us from a Sandy 6135 I love LOZ five stars. I started liking it at the first episode, and I really like the Wars of Hyrule episode. Spot the difference, Legend of Zelda. Oh, we got a little game in this one. We'll have to... Uh, uh, I, oh, Ariel, do you want to come play this game with me? Do I have a choice? No. Great. Uh, okay, so we, the first one is spot the difference in the Great Fairy Fountain. Uh, I see a genie. It's a genie. In a bottle? In a bottle. Uh, <laughs> medium difficulty is Zelda. Yeah, I see the girl with no crown. Uh, okay, hard. Sheikah. Ooh, this one is hard. Uh... I, this one has long brown hair, so I think that's the different one. And then bonus round is Link. I don't see any different links. Do you? No. 
Well, okay, here's the next part of the review. It says, tricked you. <laughs> well, that's not very nice. No. P.S. Love the show. Keep up the great work. I love the little game. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> uh, so, guess what? This is from Papa Skur. You guys have gotten almost completely five-star reviews. <laughs> that's the review. Five stars. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Papa Skur leaves us a bunch of reviews. So I thought that one was funny. Uh, here's a review from Triforce Explorer. Very good content. Five stars. I was browsing podcasts on Spotify and I came across this one. I have learned more about Legend of Zelda than I already have from theories and lore videos that I've watched on YouTube. I would put more than five stars if I could. Infinite stars out of five. I absolutely love getting to learn about the depths and the lore of Legend of Zelda. Overall, 1,000 out of 10. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. That's a nice review. That is. I like the infinite amount of stars. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So the next one comes to us from Invisible. It says, Great LOZ Podcast. I love listening to this before I go to bed. My first LOZ game was Breath of the Wild, but the two games I would like to play are Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. What is your favorite of the champion's abilities? Mine is Rivali. What's yours? I don't know how you could read that when it was invisible. But um. Okay, I'm not a huge fan of Rivali. Ah, uh, he's kind of it. I don't. <laughs> Not putting anyone down that likes Rivali. I am just not a personal fan of Rivali. Mm. Who's my favorite? Daruk. Daruk is awesome. I would have to say Daruk as well. Because, like, he's just... Like, the big brother. <laughs> but his ability, is is it your favorite ability to use? Oh, yeah. I'll say, I... I I don't like Revali, but I will have to agree that I like Revali's ability because it makes me be able to get to places faster. Eh. <laughs> nah. Um, I mean, I guess, but no. I like the protection because I go in full force to things and yeah, <laughs> kind of screw myself over sometimes thinking I'm better than what I am, so... Having that little bit of like, ah, I'm fine. That's good. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. You can hit me. It's okay. So the next question is, what are your favorite LOZ villains? Mine are Demise and the Moon. This podcast is definitely five out of five. Well, first off, thank you for that wonderful review. Secondly, Ariel, what's your favorite villains? I always go first. Go first. Okay, I'll go first. <sighs> Majora, the mask itself, definitely one of my top tier favorite villains. And uh, I would have to say, uh, that's a that's a toughie. I would say Phantom Ganon was one of my favorite villains because the boss fight was so much fun. I am just going to be as generic as possible in this one. Ganon. Just Ganon. Because he's everywhere. 
and right. almost and almost all of the games, not clearly not all of the games, mm. but he is like the big bad guy that's always there, is always around. He always comes back. He always has all these different forms. He it just persistence. Okay, persistence makes a good villain, <laughs> and he is extremely persistent. It's yeah, he really is. It's Ganon. It's Ganondorf. I mean, it's always Ganon. It's, it's Ganon. I it's mean, just you Ganon. can slap a different little name on his name. Calamity Ganon. Like, you can slap different... It's Ganon. It's just Ganon. It's Ganon. And <laughs> you could have, like, Phantom and all these other Ganons. It's Ganon. He is the most persistent jerk. And that's what makes him perfect, and that's why I love him, because persistence is key into getting what you want. Eventually, he'll get what he wants. I don't know about that. He has. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that is all the time we have for the review section. But that brings us to the middly part of the show. Uh, Ariel, what did you bring for us today? Sarcasm. Uh, but did you bring anything else? A lot of pent-up sarcasm. I know. It's been a it's bit. been forever. But I did bring some merch. <gasps> Let's go. Oh, this one's awesome. So this comes from Etsy. And it's from Gizmo Forge. And it is the Zelda Clock Tower working clock. And it's it's pretty freaking cool. I love this thing. I, I know. It's <laughs> it's the clock tower, but it's an actual clock. So you can get it painted, unpainted, and unpainted with no base. Now, the prices range from the unpainted, no base for $85, the unpainted for $90, and the painted for $110. And I do recommend the painted one because, whoo, that is pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's $110, but it's definitely worth every bit of that money. Unless you're a really awesome painter and just want to paint it yourself. Yeah, I want one. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of paintings, Ariel. No. I also brought something that is a painting. Which is? Which is a oh-so-awesome Zelda Majora's Mask Starry Night Clock Tower Canvas wall art. It is legit. <laughs> oh, so you had to copy me? Uh, kinda. Uh, mine's a painting. Yours is just painted. <laughs> yeah, but I it's brought clock the clock tower. It is. So you can get this in a couple different sizes, ranging from eight by twelve all the way up to thirty-two by forty-eight. Price, you know, varies based on what you're ordering. Um, but it starts at $29 and the most expensive is the 32 by 48 and that is at $99. This is on animeape.com and the link will be in the show notes, obviously. Um, but it's awesome. It has, it's painted in the same kind of styling of the Starry Night, a very famous photo. Or photo, painting. a very famous painting. Um, and it has the clock tower. It has the moon. It has Majora's mask in the very center. And it's it's just awesome. It's just awesome looking. Um, but yeah, go check it out at animeape.com. 
and just look up Zelda Majora's Mask Starry Night Clock Tower Canvas. Bonus points, Aaron, if you can guess the artist that made Starry Night. Oh, gosh. I used to know this. Um, uh, what was it? I'm not telling you. You should know this. I should. We talked about it all the time when we were in art class together. It's a very weird name. It's like Italian. Failure. What is it? Failure. That's what you are. <sighs> Wow, a meanie. failure. Big old meanie. So I'm going to jump right to the end of the middle of the episode where we thank our sponsors. Before you start stealing my lines, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so if you want, need, or both a set of dice, guess what? Head on over to fanrolldice.com. Link is in our show notes and use our promo code almightyc 10 which is A-L-L mighty the letter c 10 which the promo code will be in the show notes as well with that link and save yourself 10 percent off on a set of dice or dice tray or dice tower or dice bag or all things dice related and you can get resin dice metal dice gemstone dice rubber dice wooden dice all the dice and they're super cool and you can save 10 percent off because who doesn't like saving money during the holidays or any other time of the year? Because we all love saving money. So yeah, head on over to fanrolldice.com, formerly Metallic Tice Games, and save yourself 10%. And I think they're doing a holiday special right now, so you can save even more money with that. Do it. I think it's ranging anywhere from 10 to 25% off of certain sets of dice. Do it, because that 10% using our promo code stacks. Yes, it does. So, next. Do you want or need, or both, to go along with your set of dice and knock arena? I do, because we still have to duel. I know. <laughs> epic failure on our parts mostly errands yeah so head on over to stl ocarina using our promo code lozlore10 you can save yourself 10 percent off of an ocarina beautifully handcrafted absolutely amazing ocarinas and on top of that you get you know a songbook a how-to book mm -hmm. um, Anything you need to know to start playing your ocarina. They are actually gorgeous. And if you don't really want a Legend of Zelda one, they have other ones to choose from. They have like D&D &D ones. They've got Lord of the Rings one. They got a whole different varieties of ocarinas that you can choose from. But, mm -hmm. you know, this is a Legend of Zelda lore cast. <laughs> so you should probably get the Legend of Zelda one. Get the Legend of Zelda one. I'm being biased. Honestly, like, I love the Lord of the Rings ones. Oh, they are very pretty. Oh, oh yeah. You don't even like Lord of the Rings. Mm -mm. I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah. Links for that and the promo code will also be in the show notes. For both of those sponsors... I am done. I have tried to speed talk my way through that so you don't have to listen, but I do need you all to go buy some dice and some ocarinas. <laughs> well, before we cut the mid-break, we haven't done it for a while, and I'd like to pitch some of our uh, family here 
over to another one of my personal favorite pods and good great friends of the show um the hello hyrule podcast oh i thought you were gonna say the resident evil podcast uh no that's us too oh so, lore cast. yeah that's a that's a lore cast and that's us <laughs> no our friends over at hello hyrule um they do a lovely wonderful awesome hilarious legend of zelda pod as well and they are doing deep dives explorations of each one of the games you know level by level area by area NPC by NPC, you can journey with them as they write their oh-so-wonderful travel log on all their wonderful travel expeditions in Hyrule and learn a few things on the way, like uh, what Octorok tastes like. We've already discussed what (laughs) Octoroks taste like. So I'll leave you with that. Go pay them a visit and uh, let them know we sent you that way, so... On that note, they are the bane of my existence. What? Octorox? Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say our friends at Hello Hyrule. I was like, they're so nice. No, Octorox. Octorox. Okay. Octo-rox. Got it. Octorox are the bane of your existence. Good. Because... Not good. That's <laughs> not a good thing. And on that note, we're ending. Going to the last part of the episode. <laughs> well, here we are at the end of the episode. No, the beginning of the end of the episode. Beginning of the end. <laughs> well, either way, we got more to talk about here before we call it quits tonight. So the first thing I have brought to the table here is none other than Deku Link. And uh, first thing I want to say is you boys got brass. <laughs> Pussing out them trombones. Tuba, I don't quite know what it was. Uh, I was, that was, that one always confused me as a child. What it was. Definitely wasn't an ocarina. It was definitely wasn't an ocarina. It was like a bagpipe slash tuba slash. Uh, it was a lot of things mixed into one. It's just a brass instrument. It's a tuba bag. Tuba bag. <laughs> they just called it the pipes. <laughs> Go play you some sweet pipes, boy. Anyway. That sounds creepy. <laughs> you should probably never do that again. Oh. Uh, anyway, so Deku Link. So we become Deku Link after we get kind of jumped by Tattletail and Skull Kid. Skull Kid places a curse upon us and we become Deku Link. Deku Link has uh, basically a few different abilities. Um, Some of them aren't really constituted or counted as abilities, but they're abilities. Uh, First off, whenever you have your magic meter, any magic in your magic meter, you can blow bubbles and you can direct those bubbles in different directions to act as basically ammunition to shoot things down or, you know, shoot things away or, you know, things like that. The next thing is, is you're lightweight. So you can sit on things that you couldn't normally sit on before, like lily pads and flowers and things like that. Speaking of flowers, we can also use flowers to launch ourselves in the air and glide for a short distance as Deku Link. And the last thing is we can actually skip over water for a set amount of steps 
as Daku Link. Now, we can't be in water submerged as Daku Link, though. You will take damage and be thrown back to land. So this is pretty much Daku Link's abilities and powers. But the real question is, what is Deku Link? And in my opinion, Deku Link is one of the saddest transformations in this game. Because you become Deku Link by utilizing the soul of none other than the butler's, the Deku Butler's son. The Deku Butler's son was out later on when we fall run into the Deku Butler and we we're challenged to a race. He and we win. He tells us a little bit about his son. Uh, Deku Link's or mm, Deku Butler's son traveled into the forest to hunt mushrooms. And while he was there, he was turned into a full-blown tree by none other than the possessed skull kid. We see this right when we go into the entrance of the clock tower. There is a tree with a very sad face. And if you look at it, Tattle has a few things to say about it, mentioning at one point that it is a very sad face. Later on, during the final cutscene of the game, even in the good ending, you will see none other than the Deku Butler finding this tree and sobbing profusely at its feet. Symbolizing that this is in fact the Deku Butler's son and there's no getting him back. Because unfortunately, the rule of thumb here seems to be whatever curses that Majora's Mask placed upon everyone across Termina, they had to be undone by Link in order to take effect to have a happy ending. You can't undo death. Still think school kid is poor old school school kid. Well, yeah, he was he was possessed. Anyway, murdered. <laughs> um. So that's pretty much all there is on Deku Link. There's a couple of funny things uh, that happen with Deku Link. The first bit of trivia I have about Deku Link is. At the toward the beginning of the game, uh, when Tattle suddenly has a change of heart, Deku Link will actually turn towards the player, shake his head, and shrug, breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> uh, I loved that as a kid, and it was the greatest moment in that game. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, another little thing. Despite Link being left-handed... When Deku Link opens treasure chest, he lifts them with his right hand, which I thought was cool. Uh, and that one kind of really doesn't apply anymore because now Link is ambidextrous and we'll get to that. But as of right now, in the timeline, Link is left-handed. Uh, another thing is Deku Link is the only one of Link's transformations that cannot press on a floor switch. And this is again referencing to the point where I said he was extremely lightweight. This also makes his Elegy of Emptiness statue, when you change, completely useless because it has zero weight. It cannot push down a switch. 
So kind of going back to the whole right-handed thing. Mm-hmm. I bet Deku Butler's son was right-handed. Oh, why do you gotta bring that up? <laughs> uh, the next little fun trivia fact I have, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned this earlier in the Majora's Mask series. It's been a while since we recorded an episode, so I'm just gonna say it again, uh, if I did. Uh, Aichi Anuma actually had a dream about being chased by Deku Link. And it was an absolute nightmare. So the next day when he came into work, Takumi Kawagoe actually showed him a movie he created of the Link's transformation into Deku Link. And it was the exact same dream that Anuma had. So... He turned this image, they manipulated a little bit, and this is the very, very, very first image or video that we get when Deku Link actually becomes the first transformation of the game. It was that terrifying. He was like, we have to use that. And it's still pretty creepy that you did that without me telling you anything. <laughs> so... You know you're working too hard on a game when you start having nightmares about characters of the game you're making. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, yes. So a couple other tidbits um, that I had noticed personally. They're not really Easter eggs or anything, but they're things that I noticed. Um, number one in the Deku Link form in Majora's Mask 3D, when you're performing your spin attack your hat actually starts to turn into hardened branches. It's pretty cool. It's a nice little touch they added, I think. Um, and in Majora's Mask 3D, when you shield yourself as Deku Link, you actually put a Deku nut over your body. And I believe it's the same way in Majora's Mask Original as well. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back and play Majora's Mask Original because I'm currently working through the 3D one for this while we're recording this. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's actually the same thing. But I thought that was a little cool additional piece that they added that you use the shell of a Deku nut to shield yourself. You will never get away from Deku nuts. <laughs> so the next one we have is none other than Goron Link. Not to be confused with Link Goron, who shares the same name as the Hero of Time that we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of Link's transformations. So basically, you acquire this transformation after heading to the Snowhead Mountains. And you climb up, after getting the Lens of Truth, you'll climb up this secret hidden path on the side of a mountain. And it'll lead you to the Goron Graveyard, where the ghost of Darmani Third reveals itself with the Lens of Truth. He tells you his story and how he fell. And then after this story about him trying to give his own life uh, to attempt to break the curse of Snowhead Temple and everything else, Darmani basically says that he's super sad that he can no longer aid his people. And he's super, super sad that their suffering is still ongoing. You will play the song of healing at this point, and it will heal the, the quote unquote, it will heal the wounds of sorrow 
in his spirit. And after this, he calms himself down and prepares to enter the eternal slumber that is death. And during this point, he grants you his abilities and powers in the form of the Goron Mask. As one final request before he rests, though, he asks that you use his powers and the mask to free his people from the curse, in which you agree. So, a little bit about the powers with Goron Link. Goron Link can use powder kegs. He's the only one that can physically lift the powder powder kegs. And you use this in two specific areas that is in the Goron racetrack area. And you'll also use it in Romani Ranch to access the ranch on day one. Because if you don't, you have to wait till uh, I think it's the end of day two or beginning of day three. I'll have to look that one up uh, to access the ranch. And at that point, all the fun stuff's over. <laughs> Uh, Another one of his abilities is the Goron Punch. Here's a fun fact for you. The Goron Punch is actually equivalent in damage to the Megaton Hammer from Ocarina of Time, which is pretty cool. Uh, This Goron Punch is basically using a full body uppercut to execute a massive punch. Uh, the Goron Pound is also equivalent to the Megaton Hammer in damage, but instead you're basically just slam onto the ground with a lot of force. And this is used to, you know, unstick switches, stun baddies, uh, break heavy, heavy objects like metal containers and things. Um, it's pretty useful. Arguably to me personally, this is one of the most useful transformations. You can also curl up into a ball and roll. Now, if you have a magic meter, your rolling will actually turn into spiked roll, which can actually damage enemies rather than just stun them. can also break through objects as well, such as the metal containers and heavy objects. When your magic meter drains, however, you will lose the spikes. For all the abilities you have as a Goron, you're still lacking one major thing here in this game, which is you can't get in a body as water. Still can't do it. Deku Link couldn't do it. Neither can Goron Link. Well, yeah, you'll sink to the bottom. (laughs) I always found this interesting because right after I played this, a couple years down the road, released Twilight Princess. And in Twilight Princess, Gorons do sink to the bottom because they're basically rock, but they don't need to breathe air, so they they don't drown. They're just at the bottom of the lake or bottom of the ocean. Dang it, I got stuck again. (laughs) I thought that was so... Meh? Uh, You know, playing this game so closely to that one, I was a little disappointed because I was like, really? That makes that... Twilight Princess makes way more sense than a rock guy who doesn't have to breathe air drowning. It didn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Uh, But that is the major drawback for Goron Link. And... If you, I mean, if you look at the game mechanics, it makes sense because the next link we're going to talk about is for water purposely. So that being said, Goron Link's special, wonderful, oh so awesome instrument is none other than the Goron drums. Seems fitting. <laughs> and it is literally just a set of bongos that go around your stomach and you play the drums. That's it. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> 
So uh, one more interesting fact I have about Goron Link is that he cannot be harmed by Redeads or Gibdos, which I did not find out until after reading all this stuff and doing you know research. I went back into my game as Goron Link and checked it out, and it is in fact true. You cannot be hurt by uh, Redeads or Gibdos. I am going to get to the bottom of why that is, too, eventually. Probably because... Never mind. What? I don't want to be mean, I like because I like Gorons. Probably because they're rocks. I mean, yeah. Redeads are zombies. I mean, come on. They're zombies. (laughs) So, brains (laughs) don't have any for rocks. Brains. So, uh, the other thing I want to mention here is that this mass transformation scared the life out of me. This was truly the only mass transformation that scared the life out of me as a child. It is the teeth. The giant white teeth that show throughout this transformation. That's what terrified me. I feel bad for you. (laughs) Uh, So, the next transformation we're going to talk about is none other than the one I briefly mentioned a minute ago is Zora Link. So, Zora Link is personally my my second favorite link transformation in Majora's Mask aside from our our very next and last one to talk about regular link no <laughs> so zora link is basically you get this after you first have to go to romani ranch and get apona once you get apona this makes it so you can access the great bay by jumping over a wall. Once there, you will find a dying Zora in the waters of the ocean. You'll bring this Zora back and he'll introduce himself as Macau. Macau is the guitarist for the local group, the Indiegogos. No, it's the Intrigue. It's not Intrigue. <laughs> so basically, he will give you some dialogue that basically says he was trying to retrieve the eggs for their lo- their vocalist, Lulu. And in order to get him, he had to go to the Pirate's Fortress. And however, the when he went in, the Gerudo Pirates basically kicked his butt and hurt him real bad and threw him back into the ocean. And... He's suffering at this point because he cannot accept death without first knowing that Lulu and her children are safe. And his request to Link at this point isn't to save him or anything else. It's just, please calm my soul. So once again, we whip out our instrument. We play the song of healing and Macau leaves us his powers in a Zora mask. Once he gives you this, he again, once again, just like every other character has asked of you, asks you to help out and then passes away. This is a very sad one because once he passes away, Link actually has to bury him. And he buries him on the beach. And his headstone actually gives you the instructions on how to use the Zora abilities which I thought was a pretty cool way to introduce a game mechanic. It was also very morbid and sad, but that's what this game is. No. No. So, once we have our powers, we go to Pinnacle Rock, Pirate Fortress. We do all kinds of crazy stuff here. 
But this is why we're getting into now why this is one of my favorite second favorite ability or mm. we're getting into now why this is my second favorite link form and it's because it's very multi-purposeful so obviously in this form you can swim that is one big thing here is that you can swim in addition you get what's called the double cutter ability which you can throw your arm fins like boomerangs and it's awesome <laughs> uh, even when they don't come back and they collide into a wall and just kind of disappear they will reappear on your arm so the next ability is we have the ability of barrier it's an electrical barrier that surrounds you and it can defend you from attacks from enemies and also deals damage to enemies and it's basically a magic force field. It uses your magic ability to create this electrical force field and destroy enemies or prevent attacks. So I did forget to mention something with Deku Link, but I can mention it here as well with Zora Link because they both pretty much share the same vulnerability and that is to fire. They're both weak to fire. If Deku Link gets caught on fire, he will pass out and you will have to respawn and lose some hearts. Uh, in addition to that, Zora Link will also do the same thing. And honestly, it makes sense for Zora Link because you got all the water, you can do all these things. Fire burns. Fire bad for fish people. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like that's wrong, though, because water puts out fire. Like, <laughs> I mean, even Pokemon gets it. I mean, but you cook fish with fire yeah but you know what you could do spit some water at that fire <laughs> oh goodness so our instrument of choice as our lovely Zora Link is none other than the Zora guitar or a fishbone guitar which I think is probably the coolest instrument in this game because it's a boat and fish <laughs> So some interesting facts about Zora Link is when Zora Link auto jumps, his voice is the same as adult Link's from Ocarina of Time, but filtered to sound like he's underwater. Uh, the next fact I have is Zora Link plays the Zora guitar in the right hand style, despite being a left handed character so once again we have a uh, mask changing our uh, hand movements here and it makes sense because you kind of take on the persona of the person that the mask powers came from so it kind of makes sense uh, and the last one I have here is during the game credit sequence Zora Link can be seen playing his Zora guitar with the rest of the Indiegogo band at the milk bar and it's kind of weird because that little thing appears to contradict what actually happens at the end of the game, which is Link leaves. So how can Link be playing the guitar as Zora Link and leaving at the same time? Uh, easy. Magic. No. School Kid created Termina, right? 
yes. he created another link to go with Termina. Done. Continuity restored. There. <laughs> the actual link left. Skull Kid made imaginary link. Woo-woo. There you go. Maybe his name's Lank. Or Lunk. L- My name Lunk. Oh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, the last transformation I'm going to bring up, and it will be coming back up again way more in depth because there is a lot to discuss about this specific transformation, if you will. Um, But I'm just going to kind of do a brief synopsis of it right now. Is none other than the Fierce Deity Link. My favorite, the OG, the big baddie himself. Woo. Woo woo. Uh, Fierce Deity Link is a mask that you can acquire after completely getting all of the masks in the game. Once you've completed all the tasks necessary and acquired all the masks, you will go to the moon where you will talk to the children. Once there, each child will request masks in exchange. And once that's happened, you'll complete a couple things here and there and you will move on to the next child. Once all the children are completed and you have no more masks in your inventory, you will go and talk to the Majora's Mask. The Majora's Masks will then offer you to play a game, like usual, but this time will give you the Fierce Deity Mask to play with. The Fierce Deity has some pretty cool abilities. First off being is that you are pretty strong. Pretty, pretty strong. And you're an adult version of yourself with some awesome glowing white eyes and new armor and light blue tunics. Uh, It's very cool. It's very cool. It's awesome. Uh, The next thing is that your sword actually changes into a very, very big coiled blade that kind of has the infinity symbol as the blade itself. And you channel magic in magic blasts to attack in addition to your actual weapon swing. The magic blasts actually do quite a bit of damage and they are shot out like almost like magical discs. There's a lot of creation and behind the scenes facts on the Fierce Deity Link and why it has the name Fierce Deity Link and what it actually is. And there are some also pretty cool theories about it. Um, and honestly, we just don't have time to go into it this episode, but I do plan to do a episode with Ariel on it. So to round off Fierce Deity Link, I am going to drop some little trivias about him. So Fierce Deity form is popularly referred to as Oni Link within the Legend of Zelda series community. And this is because the Japanese kanji incorporates key for fierce which also can be read alone as Oni. Uh, Another little interesting fact here is, although there is no official height from Nintendo due to the Fierce Deity's very tall height over most other adult characters and has trouble entering buildings, he appears to be over seven foot tall, likely the same as Ganondorf. Isn't that Oni Demons? We'll get into that when we start discussing Fierce Deity because yes, and yes, and (laughs) Um, 
the last interesting fact here I have, uh, which I somewhat hinted at, which we'll get more in depth to with the Fierce Deity Link episode, is that the Fierce Deity is the representation of the feelings of the people populating the land of Termina. Uh, This representation is reinforced by the fact that it was necessary to get all of the masks and exchange them in order to get the Fierce Deity mask, which is equally dangerous which is equally as dangerous as Majora's Mask. And it is said so in the description of the mask. So that is all I have right now on Fierce Deity Link. He's all right. Oh, really? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> For what? Till I make you love him. <laughs> yeah. Be waiting a pretty long time. Oh, goodness. Well, I think that's all the time we have right now for characters, but in the next episode, we'll go into some more characters, more detail. Well, until next time, thank you for listening and tune in next time. Hasta la vista, baby. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter at LOZLoreCast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this.